Good morning, everybody. Man, y'all look good today. Full house today. Hey, thanks for not going to the beach and coming to church. <laughs> I remember when we lived in California, it was like, do we go to the beach today or do we go to church? And it was like a dilemma every week because it was always nice there. And I realized in New England, we only have so much time. So those options to go to the beach, you're here. You made it. Turn to your neighbor and say, you made it. Turn to your another neighbor and say, I was planning on coming, man. Oh, this has been my plan all week. I was going to be here. Hey, if you're a guest with us, as Stephanie said, uh, I just want to say welcome home. Uh, Steph and I are honored to lead this church, and we consider it our highest privilege. So whatever we can do to serve you today, our teams are here, those people in the black shirts and the blue shirts. Hopefully you dropped your kids off upstairs and everybody was kind to you. I know that they're getting ministered to this morning, so thank you again for coming today. Hey, today we're going to start a brand new series. Everybody saying new series. And for the next three weeks, I want to talk about the local church. I want to talk about the reason we gather. I want to talk about who we are. I want to talk about God's plan for the church. I want to talk about your part in the church. And then I want to talk in week three about God's plan in the church. What's, what is he, what is his responsibility? What is his role? And I want to look at a scripture today. We'll start in Colossians 1.24, and we're going to read a couple scriptures. If you've got a Bible or you've got an iPad or a phone, you want to jump on there with us. If not, you can follow along on the screen. I'm reading today out of the J.B. Phillips translation, and he says this. This is the Apostle Paul writing from prison uh, to the church at Colossae. It says, I myself have been made a minister of the same gospel. I myself have been made a minister of the same gospel, and though it is true at this moment that I'm suffering on behalf of you who have heard the gospel... Yet I am far from sorry about it. Indeed, I'm actually glad because it gives me a chance to complete in my own sufferings some of the untold pains for which Christ suffers on behalf of his body, the church. Say that with me. His body, the church. It's his body, the body of Christ, that is the local church. He said, for I am a minister of the church by divine commission, a commission granted to me for your benefit and for your a special purpose. What's that special purpose? That I might fully declare God's word, that sacred mystery of the gospel, which up to now has been hidden from every age and from every generation, but which is now as clear as daylight to those who love God. They are those whom God has planned to give a vision of the full wonder and splendor of his secret plan for the sons of men. He's talking about us, the church. And here's what it is. The secret is simply this. It's Christ in you. Christ in you bringing with him the hope of the glorious things to come. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the apostle Paul writing these words not only to the church in that day, but to the church in this day. Lord, we recognize that you've gathered us together, that you have divinely commissioned us with a purpose to declare that Jesus is the hope of the world, and that we get to be a part of that, that we get to, to play a role in that. The miracle of somebody being drawn from death to life, from dark to light. So Lord, I ask you to be with us today. Lord, speak to your people. Use me, give me boldness to declare your word as you place it in my heart. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. For the next three weeks, I want to talk about the church. I want to talk about 
the local church. And I'll be honest with you, for some of you, uh, you know my story. I grew up as a church planter's kid. We were called PKs, pastor's kids. And, and, and I, 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 didn't, I didn't know anything as a little kid about what the church was other than it was a place we went. People would say, well, what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean you're going to church on Sunday? Where's your church? And I would say, the church is down here. And I, I'd give them the address of where the church was. And they'd say, well, what does it look like? And I said, well, it's a brick building. It's got this huge steeple. It's got our church, or, or the, the, the church I grew up in, had a big bell tower on it and then a huge cross on top. And I was describing to them the building. And to me, that was church. We're going to go there on Sunday. We even had church clothes. Like we had clothes you didn't wear during the week. You only wore them to church. And we'd come home from church and we'd be wrestling. I got, I got three brothers, man. We'd be wrestling and fighting. And all of a sudden my mom would say, you go, if you're going to do that, y'all take off your church clothes. They went church shoes. How many of y'all grew up with church shoes? Like your mom would smack you if you put them on any other day of the week. Them with church shoes. Pastor Mo, if you don't know Pastor Mo, he's got a whole collection of church shoes in his office. He collects Air Jordans. He said, them my church shoes, Pastor. And, and church for me was a place we went. It was a thing we did. It was clothes we wore. For me, church was songs that we sang. It was, it was when I was a little guy, it was going upstairs into kids' world, and they had the flannel graph. Y'all grew up old school. You remember the flannel graph? And they put up the board, and they'd show you Moses parting the Red Sea and the Jesus and Mary and the baby. Church was a place. It was a place that my dad preached. For me, church was a place that, that I hung out with my friends. It was the place that I learned about Jesus. It was all these things, but it was later in life that I realized church was more than a building. Amen. It was more than a program. It was more than a worship set. It was more than anything you could put on it. I realized as I got older and my relationship with the Lord grew for myself where I wasn't coming to a building to know him. I was getting to know him in my room. And I was giving him time during the day to speak to me. I was doing what Stephanie said, acknowledging him in all my ways and knowing that he would direct my path. And guess what? I realized that a young man, as a young man, that I didn't have to go to church just to hear God's voice there, that God would speak to me Monday through Saturday. Amen. And then I realized that the church wasn't just a place. It, was, it wasn't where we went. It was actually who we were. And I'll never forget it. I remember hearing a pastor say this statement many, many, many years ago. And this was a big turn for me in my, in my walk with the Lord. In the statement that he made, he said, the local church is the hope of the world. And I thought, our building ain't fancy. Our people aren't even that friendly sometimes. Our worship ain't even that great sometimes. How could this be the hope of the world? Uh, that program that, that I've been going to, it's kind of fizzled out. The guy that led that small group, he's not as enthusiastic 12 weeks in as he was in week one or two. What do you mean this is the hope of the world? And that's when he spoke to me. He said, you're, pus you're putting the wrong emphasis on church. The church isn't a building. It's not a program. It's a group of people. Amen. Where's my church today? It's, it's a group of people. It's, a, it's an alive and active organism. It's not a physical location in a city. It's not a building with a steeple. Yep. I'm amazed at how many people in New England, when we invite them to, to this building, they pull up in the parking lot and I think they're lost. <laughs> how many of y'all ever pulled up? You were invited. You came here and you're like, I don't think this is the right place. I see your hands. And I did too. Because guess what? We were looking for a white building. In our mind, when someone invited us to church, it had a cross on it. 
I've been in this building for a long time. I don't know if there's a cross anywhere in this building. The truth is, is putting a cross on a building doesn't make it a church. It's the people that come into that building to worship God and gather together. That is the church of Jesus Christ. The statement, the church is the hope of the world. The truth is, is it's Christ in us, as Paul said in verse 127. He said, we are the church. And I want to say this to you, with Christ in us, we become the church and we are the vehicle that actually brings that hope that we found in Christ to the world. Amen. Amen. Perfect timing. You and I have Christ in us. We've received him and in everything that he has. So what happened? When we received Christ, hope was put in us. And then he gathered us to with other believers to say, Kevin's got hope in him. Mike's got hope in him. Hope in him. They got hope in him. And when you gather together, you guys will realize you're much stronger than you give yourself credit for. You're much stronger than you are thinking about who you are. And you have to understand that we as the church, a group of people, we are the vehicle. Everybody say, I'm the vehicle. And when you think about vehicles, you might think about cars. I think about motorcycles. I'm the vehicle that's going to get that hope to somebody else. Is it me going to them? No, it's me going to them with Christ in me. As Paul said, that hope of Glory. Jesus talked about the church in Matthew 16, and he said this to his disciples. He said, I tell you, specifically you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You've heard me preach on this. I love preaching about this story, but the the nutshell version is he was asking his disciples, who do men say that I am? And they begin to talk and someone say, oh, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're a nice guy. You feed people. You know, you take after those that are hurting. You know, you're gracious. You're kind. You're not uptight. You're actually fun. People want to be around you. And, 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 and some said, well, yeah, but you're also spiritual. Like, you're like one of the prophets. And then some of them said, no, 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 he is a prophet. He is one of the prophets. And in this moment, Peter I believe he was frustrated with these answers and he said, no, 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 no. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And in that moment, that's when Jesus responds and he says, oh, Peter, now let me tell you who you are. You're the rock. And upon that rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now listen to this. He wasn't talking about building the church on Peter's back. The church was to be established on his eternal significant confession of faith regarding who Christ Jesus was that was revealed to him. It wasn't Peter the individual. It was the revelation that God the Father gave to Peter, which turned him from an ordinary man into a living stone who would become the church. Church is not a building. It's a group of people. It's a group of individuals who have placed their faith in Jesus. The Greek word for church, if you want to do some homework this week, it's ecclesia and it means assembly. It means a gathering of people. It means a congregation. And so when I look around today and I see this section full of people worshiping God, I see the church of Jesus Christ alive and well. 
And when I look around the whole auditorium and we go upstairs and there's hundreds of kids running around, I think about this. Man, there's hope for the future because Jesus is alive and well in us. And when we gather together and we come and worship in the building, we're empowered to go out and take the church outside the building. There's hope for the world. I hear people all the time say, it's hopeless out there. No, it's not hopeless because I still have breath in my lungs and I have Christ in me. And so I'm a carrier of that hope. And everywhere I go, I'm a hope dealer. Everywhere you go, you ought to be recognized as the guy that's hopeful. There's enough people that are hopeless. It's time for the church to realize we're not a gathering on a Sunday. We're a body of believers equipped with the power of the Holy Spirit to bring hope to the hopeless, to bring freedom to those that are bound, to bring healing and health to those that are sick. This is the mission of the local church. Turn to your neighbor and say, he came ready today. First Peter 2, 5. 1 Peter 2.5, I did come ready today. I'm, I'm pumped about this series. I think this is going to be a game changer for some of us. Because some of us, we grew up in church and that's what happens. We just, we just still come to church. You're getting older, but you're not doing anymore. And I'm here to gather just for pim, you know, goose, goose pimples or whatever and, and feel good stuff. I believe that's going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to touch you. But it's for an empowerment so you can be the church. First Peter, I love this. First Peter, he says, uh, you yourselves, you're like living stones. You're living stones. I don't know if you can wrap your mind around that. And you're being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The local church is not a building at 99 Concord Street. I'm grateful for this building. It has served an amazing purpose. But if this church didn't exist in this building anymore, I can tell you, our church would still survive. I was talking recently with our missionaries that are in um, Istanbul, Turkey. And as you know, several months ago, they had a major uh, um, earthquake in southern Turkey. And we sent relief in there with your generosity. We sowed, I think, $20, $25,000 immediately that first week. And, and, and I, was, I was really concerned about our friends there. And so I asked them uh, foolishly on the phone, I, I, on the Zoom call, I said, well, how's, how's the church doing? Like, how are the churches? And, and, and they said, what do you mean? And I said, like the buildings, like, how are they? And they said, they started laughing. They said, oh, they're gone. Oh, they're gone. They're just rubble. It's just bricks in the street. It's just, it's just piles of dust. And I started to like, oh my goodness, wow. And, and as I was getting depressed, sin, their joy was overwhelming. They said, oh, the buildings, yeah, they've been gone. They're, they're never, oh yeah, those are toast. But the truth is, pastor, the church of Jesus Christ is alive and well in southern Turkey. It got me so fired up and I, I was convicted because I was worried about the physical structure. Do they have a place to, to, to worship? Do they have music? Do they have a sound system? Do they have kids ministry? Are they serving donuts? <laughs> How y'all serving coffee? It's turkey. And he said, man, he said, all that stuff. He said, it's all gone. But let me assure you, we're stronger than we've ever been. Our buildings don't define us. Our coffee and donuts don't define us. Our programming doesn't define us. An address on Google does not define us. The church of Jesus Christ is not a building. 
It's a gathering of people that have said, Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. And on that revelation of us gathered together, he said he will build his church. No building. No system, no structure defines who we are. We're an unstoppable force because we're not confined to natural things. We're supernatural people. He said, you are living stones and you're being built up as a spiritual house. Listen, I just want to say this to you. Jesus in this moment was building his church and today, 2,000 years later, Jesus is still building his church. Jesus has always been on mission to, to build a church. He did it for three and a half years. He turned it over to the disciples who were the church. And from there, they've carried it on. And the gospel got to you and I. The church is st still being built by Jesus. Jesus is not up in heaven conducting a choir of angels this morning. He's building his church. Jesus is not upstairs counting your tithes and offerings. He's building his church. He's not up there worried and walking around sweating about the climate of America and what's going on. He's up there building his church. He's not walking the streets of Jerusalem today. He's building his church through you and I, our, these living stones. Truth is, is it's, it's his full-time job. It's why he came to set up the kingdom of God right here not in a physical location, but inside of you and I. And when we get a revelation that we are the church, it'll change how we interact as the church. The truth is that the greatest privilege of our lifetime will be when Jesus taps us on the shoulder and says, hey, Sunday, hey, King, hey, Jim, hey, hey, Susan, I've got a critical role for you to fill. Will you help me? And join me in building my church. Amen. Truth is, is some of you have been invited to do great things in your life. You've had great opportunities to, to do this or that or make a life, a difference in the life of somebody else. And you've been given great jobs and, and opportunities in business and, and in the community. But the greatest opportunity that you and I have is to say yes to the builder of the church and say, yes, we'll help you. Yes, we'll be those living stones. You can count on us. Paul said, I've had a divine commission. A divine commission. He was called of God to share the message of hope that was found in Jesus. And I want to tell you this morning, you have been divinely commissioned. Not just for the apostle Paul, not just for Peter, or James, or John, or whichever favorite disciple you like following in the book. You and I are followers of Jesus. You and I are disciples of Christ. You and I are living stones. We're actually chosen people. Listen to this in 1 Peter 2.9. He says, you are a chosen people. That means you're not forgotten. That means you're not a mistake. You've been chosen by God. He calls you a royal priesthood. He sees you as royalty, a holy nation. You're actually a people that God says belong to him. For what purpose? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. I've been doing some homework to present this as clearly and accurately as I can to you over the next three weeks about why Jesus created the church, about your role in the church and about his role in the church. And, and the crazy thing is, is the mission was the same yesterday as it is today. 
The mission of the local church, when Jesus gave up his life and spilled his blood, that same mission that he gave those disciples is the same mission that you and I have the opportunity to participate in. And that's so simple because we talked about it in January. The simplest way I could say it is he's called us and commissioned us to love all and to serve all. What's the gospel message? Love everybody. Give them hope and then serve them and train them into service of others. The local church should never die because it's always regenerating itself. And that's the responsibility that you and I have, even as we raise our kids, is that we don't just build a church that fits our comfort zone, that we build a church that goes forward in our seed to the next generation and to the next generation and to the next generation. I was talking, I was sharing again about our missionaries and I was concerned about their buildings being torn down and they said, this is amazing. I was like, what's amazing about having your building turned to rubble? And they said, well, everybody's leaving. Everybody that was comfortable, he said, there's no infrastructure here anymore. There's no electricity. There's no water. There's no food. There's nothing. There's no petrol. So guess what? He said, all those that were just here because of what, they're leaving. And he said, the first time in our generation, he said, us as Christians, us as pastors, will have the opportunity to buy property that will allow us to build structures again that house the church for another generation and another generation and another generation. He said, we've been renting buildings and we've been kicked out of building and kicked out of building and we're constantly maneuvering. Because they don't want us here. He said, but now with destruction, the church of Jesus Christ looks brighter and brighter than ever. Because with your resources from IFC, we're actually going to buy property and build a church that will outlast any of us. Oh, it excites me. And I want to say that that's our heart here. Whatever we do in this building, it isn't to make you comfortable. It's to make sure that those that come in get a clear picture of who Christ is and that this place exists long after we're gone. The church is a people. It's not a building. You've been chosen to love all and serve all. I want to go back to Colossians and I want to read you 127 out of the Message Bible. I didn't put it on the screen, so just listen to me here. He said, God wanted everyone, not just the Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out. Regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing, the mystery in a nutshell is just this. It's Christ in you. Therefore, you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple. That is the substance of our message. What's the substance that everybody, Jews and Greeks and Gentiles, those from every nation, every tongue, we sang about it. Every nation's going to bow. Every tongue, every tribe will bow their knee at Christ. I was thinking about that as we sing this song. I'm thinking about how many people are going to bow their knee out of frustration like, oh man, okay, I'll bow to Jesus. No, it's not going to be that way. There'll be no frustration in the presence of God. It'll be such awe and humility of forgive me. Forgive me for not. Forgive me for not having an understanding of who you are when I live down there. There's going to be such an awe. Listen to this. William Tyndale says it this way. He was a Bible translator. He said the church is the one institution that exists for those outside of itself. Therefore, if we continue to make a meaningful impact 
upon the landscape of our nation and the world, then we must be relentless. Relentless in our commitment to evangelism and to the mission and to church planting. Let's talk for a few minutes. What is the church and what isn't the church? Let's start with what it's not. The church is not a club. The church is not a club. It's not something you can join with a membership or an application or get somebody to let you in. It's an opportunity for all that have called Christ their Lord. The church is not a club. In fact, I'll say it this way. We don't have membership at our church here because I don't want you to feel special. You're just normal. You're a normal person. When I go to some place, I was invited by my friend. He took me to his country club to play golf. It's members only. I had to go with a member. I love that part of going to golf, but that's not how the church should be. The church should be open for anybody and everybody that wants to come. That we've all been called and equipped. There's no membership here. In fact, we say a partnership. If you want to join our church, I want to be a part of your church. I want to do what y'all are doing. Hey, then go to Next Steps. It happens immediately after the service and we'll give you opportunity to be a partner with us. What's a partner mean? It means you get a part to play in what God's doing in this local body. No membership. It's all partnership you get to choose. The church is not a gathering. It's not a gathering. It's not an event that happens on Sunday mornings where we get dressed up in our church clothes and we sing church songs. It's not an event. Church is not a program. It's not youth ministry. It's not kids ministry. It's not small group ministry. It's not outreach ministry. It's not held in the confines of something we do. It's who we are. It's not a set of values. It's not a list of rules. It's an opportunity to live out our faith in Christ Jesus with more than our words. It's an opportunity to be Christ outside these four walls. So what, if that's not what the church is, what is it? I believe it's a, a group of people who believe that Jesus is the son of God. Amen. That we out of our mouth have believed, out of our heart we've confessed what we believe. And by the profession of our faith, we say Jesus is my Lord. I'm in him. And guess what? I have that hope in me. Now I'm a carrier of The good news, the church is a group of people who have been chosen and called of God. And lastly, and I'll talk about this in the next few weeks, I believe the church is a supernatural force that has been commissioned by Jesus Christ himself. We've been commissioned. And usually about this time when we've defined what the church is and what isn't, there usually becomes a divide in how we should do church. And how we should live this out. And it usually goes in two directions. And it could go in more than that. If you've been in church very long, you realize people get upset about all kinds of silly stuff. They used to serve donuts. What's going on? I don't serve donuts anymore. If you came for the donuts, you came to the wrong house. And I love donuts, by the way. Usually the church gets split in two areas and there's a whole group that get fired up. I'll just say you guys over here, whole group of people that, that if we're gonna be the church then everything's gotta be evangelistic. It's all gonna be about souls. I agree with that. At the same time, there's a whole group of people over here that start yelling at the pastor and the elders and saying, hey, it's not about evangelism, it's gotta be about discipleship. We gotta train up Christian soldiers. Let's go. And the church gets split over division over what we're going to do. 
We recognized who we are, but now how are we going to do it? And I, I'll, I'll give it to you. I believe in both. Acts 1.8. For all those evangelists that believe that the church is supposed to be evangelistic, and I'm one of those. In Acts 1.8, he said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Listen, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which you should, it's, it's Christ's gift to you to be evangelistic. I had somebody tell me, I said, well, that's easy for you to say. You know, you're an extrovert. We listen to you preach on Sundays, and you got this powerful voice and funny stories. I mean, people listen to you. I'm not that way. I'm never going to be you. And I'll say this. Listen, I'm not this way off the platform. I'm normal like you. I don't like screaming at people. That may not be completely true. Oh, you're the pastor. You have the title. You have the, the, no, no, I have the same giftings, talents, and anointings that you do. I've received the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you receive him, guess what? It'll turn you into something you're not normally like. It'll give you a boldness and a confidence to share the love of God when normally you would have been intimidated by them or backed up when you get the Holy Spirit. What happens? You become an evangelist. Now, what about discipleship? Matthew 28. Jesus said it. I'm a discipler. I believe in this. Therefore, go and make disciples of a couple of nations. Go and make disciples of America, the greatest nation on the planet. We got so many people that are worried about America, and there's a whole world out there. I see you back there. She's waving at me. We're so consumed about ourselves, and yet there's a whole generation of people that have never heard the gospel outside of our nation. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I'm always with you even to the end of the age. So the question comes back. So what is the the, the goal of the local church? I believe it's both. Listen to me. This is the statement I want you to hear today. The church is God's vehicle for reaching the lost with the hope of Jesus and then equipping them for a life of service within his body. You can't separate the two. We're called. We've been commissioned. We got to go. We got to go. We got to be. We got to bring the hope. You got to bring it on your job. You got to bring it in your neighborhood. You got to bring it to that campus. Wherever he's placed you, you got to bring it. And we got to tell him there's hope in Jesus. There's hope for your life. There's, there's hope for your broken marriage. There's hope for your, your lost kids. There's hope for your addicted mother, your son. There's hope in Jesus. And then as we deliver the hope, it's our job and responsibility to love them enough to say, come be a part of this. Come join us. Don't do this on your own. In fact, you can't do it on your own. It's not even physically possible to attain everything that God has for you. You need this body of believers. You need to be a part of the church. And again, I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about a gathering of people who are sold out and surrendered to say, hey, not on my watch. People are going to know about the hope of Jesus, and I'm going to lend a hand to disciple them in the ways of the Lord. The mission is both a vision, evangelism and discipleship. Here we are in the 
second week of June, and I want to revisit what we talked about in January. For our mandate as the church, I want to put this back before you today. Our mandate is simple. It's love all and serve all. Where are we going this year? I have a lot of people say, I don't know what the vision is. What's the vision? It's on the wall in three-foot letters outside. Love everybody, serve everybody. I need more clarity. I don't know how much clearer it gets. Love people enough that they want to be around you and then equip them to serve alongside of you. That's a simple mission for a church. Well, I don't feel led. Get a pencil and put it in your pocket. You'll feel some lead. I'm not commissioning you. He's commissioned you. I want to step on some toes for 20 seconds if it's okay. This church is not built for you. This church is not built for you. I didn't make this to be comfortable for you to come have a fun experience with your family. I came to fill you up. And what we create here is a filling station for you to come in and get filled up and then go back out to your commission place of work. It ain't about you. The Church of Jesus Christ is an institution and an organization and a living organism that exists for the purpose of those that are outside. It's time to be about the Father's business, these empty chairs next to you represent somebody that's going to hell today. If not us, who? I love you and I'll say this as kindly as I can. There is no power on the earth that has the power of the local church. Our government and other governments have proved they are not going to save humanity. I don't care what nation you're from. They don't have that power. I believe in education, but education has failed us again. It's not going to change a generation. I believe in hospitals and medical facilities. We need them. I would tell you, they can't change a spirit from death to life. They can fix your broken body, and I'm all about that. But there's a power that's on the local church that no other organization on the planet has or ever will have. Come on. It's up to us. It's up to us. We've started this year with two scriptures, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul said, I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempt to lead those that I meet into a God-saved life. He said, I loved everybody. And in Ephesians 4, he says again, he handed out the gifts of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, pastor to train Christ's followers in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body, which is the local church. It's both our responsibility and our commission as living stones, as chosen people, a royal priesthood, God's perfect people. Go out and win the lost. Give them the hope of the gospel. Tell them who the true Jesus is. And then equip them to come and serve alongside of you that somebody else would hear that message. Truth is, is you and I have been commissioned for the saving of humanity. Not in our own power. We're simply the vehicles and the carriers of hope to his people. My final scripture is Mark 16, 15. One of my life verses. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He, said, he didn't say go buy a building and 
get comfortable. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He didn't say create programs so people have something to do seven days a week. He said go into all the world and preach the gospel. He didn't say create worship services so we can run around the room and fall down and feel good. He said go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news. And whoever's believed, baptize them and they're going to be saved. And whoever does not believe, they'll be condemned. But here's some signs that will follow my believers, my church, my people. In my name, they will drive out demons. They'll speak in new tongues, pick up snakes with their hands, drink deadly stuff and it won't hurt them. Place their hands on sick people and they'll get well. So it's Jesus talking to the disciples. It's him talking to us today. And after he'd spoken to them, he was taken up into the heaven and he sat down at the right hand of God. When the disciples did it, they went out. When they preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. I'm coming full circle to where we started in January as a church. There's more for us as a body. There's more for us as a family. There's more for us as a community. There's more for us as his church. You have a responsibility to deliver the hope that you've been given by the grace of God. You and I, we have an obligation to continue the gospel moving forward. And I want to invite you halfway through this year, maybe the first half of the year, you kind of heard some messages and we're kind of like, yeah, this is good. Or maybe you've recently come in the, in the last few months and, and you're excited. You like this place. This feels like home. This feels like your family. I want to personally, as your pastor, say, come join us. Come be a part. In December of last year, I was praying, Lord, about what do you want for 2023? And what would you have us to do? And I like setting goals and I, I want to have some goals for us. And the Lord said, ask me. Ask me for 200 more people to come alongside in the church and begin serving. 200 new dream teamers. We call our people that serve you, we call them dream teams. You could join the worship dream team. You could join the kids world dream team. You could join the parking lot dream team. Man, the production. We got amazing teams, 30-something teams that you could be a part of. What are they? They're outflows of the hope that's in us so that somebody else could hear the gospel. Right now, I'll just say it to you. We need your help. I need your help. Because there's so many new people coming that they need a friend. They need somebody to connect with. They need somebody to serve them and to serve their kids. You know, each and every week right now upstairs in Kids World, we're at max capacity. Hundreds and hundreds of kids come. You're in the second service. Guess what? This auditorium was this full in the first service. This church is double what you see right now. But here's, here's what I'm asking is that you would stop and, and, and pause from it and realize, wait, there's over a thousand people that come to this church. What's my role? How do I serve somebody else? And one of the greatest roles that we can have is serving the next generation. This isn't in my message. It's just by the Holy Spirit to, to ask you, would you help us? Because right now, every week, we have to shut down classrooms. 
And we have to turn children away because we don't have enough skilled servant leaders to handle the children. And I, I don't want to turn anybody away. I, I want to say we got more than enough. Man, we got, a, we, got a, we got a line of people waiting to serve. My prayer is as the pastor, man, every one of the departments has a waiting list. Because there's a group of people that recognize the hope is in me. I want to be the carrier. I want to deliver this weekend. I want to deliver. I want to help. I want to be a part. I want to be that living stone. I want to receive the blessing that comes from being with the church. So if you've been wrestling with, hey, man, I'm not sure if I'm in or out, I want to tell you, get on in. The water feels fine. God's moving. He's stirring something here. Don't miss out. Here's a simple call to action. When you go out in that lobby, there's a huge pole. You can't miss it. It's got 20-something QR codes on it. Take your smartphone out. Scan one of those and join one of those dream teams and watch what God does in your life when you say yes to the Great Commission right here in your local church. Your head's bowed and your eyes closed. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for listening to me. I, I pray that you were provoked to action. I'm endeavoring in this season of my life not to preach feel-good messages because I don't want you comfortable. And I've asked the Lord, give me strategic sermons that would activate our church to another level. Lord, I'm not content. I'm not content to see these empty seats every week. My desires at the house of the Lord is full. And that together we're welcoming new people into our communities, into relationship with us through a relationship with you. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. Maybe you're here today and you've been attending or maybe today's even your first time, but, but you don't know this Jesus that I've been talking about. You probably heard about him and heard others talk about it, but you don't know him for yourself. I want to just take a moment and tell you he's the hope you've been looking for. Some of you, you came today hopeless. And you've even said it out of your mouth. I, I've given up all hope. I, I don't know what else to do. I want to tell you there's an answer. There's a solution. And he has a name. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the hope you need. He's the healing you need. He's the friend you need. He's the, the guide and the teacher you've been looking for to make it through this life. Every one of us wants to succeed, but for some of us, we're failing over and over. He is the successor that puts the win in your pocket. Love for you to meet him today. I won't embarrass you. We're a family church. I, I don't like humiliating people. But if that's you and you say, Pastor, pray for me. I, I need that Jesus. I want, I'm going to count to three. I just ask you, would you just throw your hand up and wave it at me and you can put it right back down. All across right here on the front. One, two, three. If you need Jesus, put your hand up. I'll pray for you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, yes. I see you right down front. Anybody else? I see you in the back over here. All the way over here. Yes. Tons of hands going up. I see you. Just wave it at me. I see you right here. Yes, yes. See, I need Jesus in my life. I need hope. I'm at the end of my rope, man. I, I, I don't know what else to do. I want to try Jesus. Give him a shot. You've tried everything else. Yes, sir, right here. Yes, ma'am. Some of us are willing to go to great lengths to find peace in our life. He is the peace that you're seeking. Some of us are going for great lengths to find the, the truth. He is the truth. Last chance. Anybody else say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus. I see you right over here. Yes, ma'am. If you're online and you need prayer, let our team know right there in the chat box. Just tell them, say, hey, pray for me. I need that Jesus he's preaching about today. 
One last look across the altar. Anybody else say, I want to join these brave people. Got you. Yes, ma'am. Pastor, don't, don't, don't end without including me. Anybody else? I got you. Yes, ma'am. I love this time together. Would you look at me now? Probably a dozen, maybe 15 hands went up today. Many of you are getting ready to start a brand new life today. This relationship with Jesus starts right now. We, we believe that we say it out of our heart that we believe. And the Bible says if we confess it, then in that moment your spirit's recreated in Christ Jesus, which means hope is then infused in you. If you want to pray that prayer with me, say this. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe in Jesus. Today, I choose him. Thank you for sending him to this earth to die on a cross for me. Lord, I'm grateful for his sacrifice that paid for my sins, past, present, and future. So today, I choose Jesus. I choose life more abundantly. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you make some noise for all those that prayed that prayer?